Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for friends of the Hebrew Bible everywhere. I'm Rosie Candlethal, a PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible at Emory University. And I'm Tim McNinch, Assistant Professor of Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary. Our fabulous co-host, Dr. Rachel Wren, is off this week, and we're celebrating All Saints Day in the Revised Common Lectionary, which falls on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Uh, That is, if your church community doesn't observe All Saints Day on the first Sunday of November or the last Sunday of October, that all sounds a little complicated. But the RCL is intended to be an ecumenical document used by different Christian denominations with different practices. So if your congregation celebrates All Saints Day, the RCL recommends Daniel 7 verses 1 to 3 and 15 to 18 as the first reading this week. Rosie, you're up to tackle this one. Where do you want to take us? Well, Tim, I've got to start by saying that as someone who was raised mostly in lower church settings, I didn't always observe All Saints Day. Um, But as an adult, I've really come to treasure this opportunity for reflection and celebration uh, that this particular holiday offers. So this first reading is intended to deepen and contextualize the commemoration of All Saints Day. However, I find this portion of Daniel 7 this year in year C to be a real toughie and the jump in the RCL from verses 1 through 3 out all the way out to verses 15 to 18 is a bit baffling too. Yeah, that is kind of weird. What do you mean? All right. So verses 1 through 3 introduce us to a dream of Daniel's. But then if we jump all the way out to verse 15 in the chapter, we're skipping over the content of the vision entirely. Um, And, you know, we've talked about uh, the RCL choices before on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. uh, it really does a doozy here. It starts out in the first year of King Belshazzar of, uh, of Babylon, in which Daniel has a dream and visions in his head as he lays in bed. He sees the four winds, the Ruach of heaven, rushing over great waters an image that conjures up the cosmic beginnings of the world as described in Genesis. Mm, But out mm -hmm. of this water, four enormous fantastical beasts emerge, each one different from the other, perhaps reminiscent of Ezekiel's visions. But then, hey, that's it. The reading cuts out and tosses (laughs) us out to the aftermath, verse Uh 15, in which we find Daniel distressed because he can't make heads or tails of what he's seeing. Literally. Literally. I mean, the, <laughs> the dream is full of strange and fantastical beasts. With, and where to find them. Right, exactly. We're not sure. He can't figure out what he's looking at. So Daniel, still in the dream vision, taps someone in the vision who is standing nearby and asks for an explanation. That person obliges Daniel. And what we have in our reading in verses 17 through 18 is an explanation or a purported explanation for the dream. Daniel has seen four huge animals, which represent four kings who seem extremely powerful, but the interpretation is that's not the whole truth. Verse 18 proffers an enigmatic promise. The holy ones of the most high shall receive the kingdom and take hold of the kingdom forever, forever and ever. That repetition throughout time is emphasized in the text forever, forever mm-hmm. and ever. Yeah. What Daniel has seen is a vision within a vision. And well, it's pretty strange and complicated. Yeah, I see what you mean. And like you said, we've talked about the choices that the RCL committee makes uh, multiple times on our podcast. What do you think <laughs> is the reasoning behind that big jump here? Perhaps the RCL was attempting to reduce confusion, uh, 
But without a bit more of the vision, I think preachers and congregations are really left wondering what's going on. But importantly, the description of the beast gives way to a vision of the Ancient of Days. This is all kind of cut out of the reading. That Ancient of Days is seated on a throne in a fiery judgment scene that eventually ends with the beast being disempowered, but not entirely destroyed. Then, and this is the important part, one like the, quote, son of man, so mm -hmm. like a human being, comes to this Ancient of Days and receives glory and power over all people, nations, and languages. In language and imagery that clearly inspired generations of faithful Jews and also Christians, this son of man is described as receiving an everlasting domination which shall not pass away and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. Now, this last part of the vision in particular seems critical to the meaning and purpose behind the whole communication. We've got this language and imagery that's meant to cap off the disturbing beast as but a passing phenomenon, not mm -hmm. the thing that we should be dwelling on. Right. The right. real thing we should be dwelling on is the picture of the Ancient of Days, and that's totally left out of the reading. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but preachers will need to decide whether to extend the reading to include a few more verses of context, and I would suggest at least including verses 13 to 14 to fill it out. In any case... Uh, preachers will probably need to at least provide a description of the vision in their sermons. Otherwise, I'm really not sure how the reading makes sense for the congregation. Yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with that, Rosie. What sort of advice or or what sort of approach would you recommend to those that would want to use this as the sermon text? Right. In my view, it's All Saints Day that provides lens for preaching. Right. So, um, and that's what the RCL intended as well. This day in the life of the church allows for an important reflection point for our congregations. It's an opportunity to consider death and uh, the legacy of death seriously. This text from Daniel 7 was selected for its intersection with All Saints Day uh, and contextualizing this commemoration of the saints, the holy ones, uh, within the tradition of scripture. So All Saints Day provides a concrete way to remember the holy ones, the saints, mm. to sit with death, take stock of our response as people of faith to its reality, including suffering and loss, but also celebrating the gifts. The reminder is that we all must face death alone and yet together. And that's a gift for this moment. Now, All Saints Day on November 1st is meant to be a day of triumph, a day to know that death is not the final arbiter of life, uh, no matter how final it may seem. Daniel 7, even excerpted in the way the RCL recommends, allows the preacher to point toward a reality beyond the seeming finality of death. Daniel provides a vision of what lies just beyond what we can see and think we know. Despite mm. the oppressive forces that appear to be dominating the landscape uh, in Daniel's vision, so totalizing empires or in our world, perhaps climate change, violence, racism, I mean, you name it, um, there is a hidden reality that Christians keep in view and in Daniel's vision, that's depicted by the ancient one who remains enthroned on high above all of this. And extraordinarily enough, it is the one who is like a human through whom salvation comes. And that should blow our minds still, right? So hmm, despite right. all the evil and terror and fear represented by those terrifying supernatural beasts in Daniel's vision, that's not the full picture. The strangeness of Daniel's dream and I admit it is strange. It is intended to encourage those of us who would give up hope. There's a reality beyond what we see and experience as suffering in this world. We can't interpret it without help. Um, but here, All Saints Day assists us with the lift. Um, and 
perhaps maybe especially after COVID and the global pandemic, the church, our society as a whole, we have been experiencing so much fear and anxiety over death and illness, but we also don't know how to process so much death and anxiety together. We've become more isolated and separated in, in my experience. Uh, so mm-hmm. for me, it's the collective that Daniel sees in the end, the holy ones together receiving from the most high al that encourages me, especially as I think about how our churches are still trying to figure out how to live into a, this new reality and ways of gathering together. Daniel 7 might provide energy, inspiration, encouragement to help each other in this visioning process. Daniel, although he's a masterful interpreter, cannot figure this out on his own. He asks for help and he receives it, but that doesn't settle things. The book of Daniel continues with more visions and more struggle. It doesn't make the fear and anxiety of death disappear altogether. There isn't a happy ending, but there is a continuing to dream and vision together to try to understand. And all of that seems true still to our moment today and rich potential sites for preaching. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Uh, as preachers consider taking up this text, are there any pitfalls that they should be wary of? Yeah. I mean, one that I, I was thinking about is preachers might uh, assist their congregations to help understand the genre of apocalyptic writing. Mm. Um, this stuff about beasts and angels, um, it can get pretty bizarre and alienating, probably more than it needs to be. Um, <laughs> in the modern day, we might draw our attention to how we use today, science fiction and horror to talk about all kinds of things, including our hopes and fears. I think of the movie recently, um, the movie Get Out and the way that Jordan Peele uses the genres of horror and comedy to allow an audience to see and feel the horrors of racism. For older generations, perhaps Star Trek, alien and superhero movies, even Harry Potter might resonate. All kinds of popular media use monsters to symbolize difficult topics that can't be addressed directly. War and conflict, injustice, coming of age, often for the purpose of shifting perspectives and imagining a different future together. Well, Daniel 7 acts in a similar way to shift the perspectives of the audience uh, by inspiring imagination and judging from its impact on both Judaism and Christianity. This vision that Daniel casts of the Ancient of Days, enthroned above a clash of beasts and monsters below, proved incredibly successful. That image stuck. It inspired, it had helped others to imagine a way through difficult times. If preachers choose to work through Daniel 7, and I think that's a worthwhile task, I would urge thinking about modern day parallels to the work that Daniel's vision did for readers then, as it does today. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful. And I hope all of you out there will take Rosie up on that challenge and consider using this famous text from Daniel 7, maybe even extended a bit past the RCL guidelines as the basis of your sermon. Nodding vigorously. (laughs) Yes. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks so much for prepping that, Rosie. And thank you, Tim. Remember, friends, all of our episodes are over at the website, firstreadingpodcast.com along with other resources. And now, your very own First Reading swag on our snazzy merch page. If you're on Facebook, you can find us there and give us some feedback in the comments. 
A special thank you goes to those of you who have chosen to generously donate to keep this podcast sustainable. Thanks also to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for a grant that helps us out along those lines as well. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rosie Candethel. Have a great week.